Welcome to another episode of Tell Me About Your Damn Book. I'm your host, Stephen Lomer, and my guest this week is a chemist, a historian, and an author of historical fiction. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Guntis Gunkara. Welcome. Thanks. Is that close enough on the last name? That's excellent. Okay. Um, I will start with your bio, okay. if that works for you. Oh, that, that'll work for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you were born in Seneca Falls, New York, to Latvian immigrants. That's correct. And you spent your early years listening to your parents' and grandparents' stories of the old country. Mm -hmm. You continued a study of Latvia and family history for more than 20 years and returned to your homeland on several occasions to explore the land which so consumed your attention. You, your first published novel was derived from a compilation of family stories and historical study. You followed your historical interest with an investigation into the Civil War submarine, the H.L. Hunley, which featured in your second novel, Convergence of Valor. The sinking of the USS Maine captured your interest for your third novel, Havana Secret. You and your wife, Joan, enjoy the wonders of New Hampshire with your dog, Sasha. Gardening, ice hockey, a beat-up old Saturn, and three grown daughters keep you well-occupied. That's correct. All right. So that all checks out? Yes, it does. Excellent. All right. There are so many places we could begin. No kidding. But I want to start someplace unexpected. Okay. Your ponytail. Mm-hmm. I've seen pictures of you when you were younger. You didn't have the ponytail then. You do have the ponytail now, although it's shorter than I've seen it. That's correct. What's the story behind the ponytail? Okay. Way, way, way back when. Uh-huh. Um, when I actually had a little bit of... Uh, curl or a little bit of wave to the hair, uh -huh. I was able to let it go. <laughs> I mean, it was the 60s. Come on, I gotta sure. have a fro. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, uh, eventually, obviously, I had to get a job and, and work in the whole work, so it started cutting it back a little bit, but as as I got a little bit older and comfortable in my, uh, um, in my career, I figured, okay, well, I just keep on letting it go you know let let the ponytail grow a bit um, I've I've cut off four ponytails to this point um, and sent them off to Pantene long lengths or Pantene lengths whatever it is mm -hmm. so that somebody who has cancer and, and this is no shot at you um, that has lost their hair as a result of chemo or anything on that line um, <laughs> that they could uh, put wigs together lately it's been more difficult to do so um, because Many people don't like gray hair, so um, <laughs> fortunately there are um, you know, Pantene long lengths, or Pantene lengths I guess is the name of it, uh -huh. uh, actually will take gray hair and uh, you know, dye it up for someone that might need it. Wow. You have a very specific look that you've cultivated for author fairs and so forth. Uh, uh, a vest, uh, I believe it's a cravat, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, the armbands. What, what's the story behind that? The, when I, when I do historical presentations, what I wanted to do was try to get into the moat. So it, it, it was more along the lines of, let's see what I can do about trying to uh, transport myself, if you will, to the 1890s, 1900 time frame and get into the mode of talking that way or being able to present um, you know, present the books in that, in that fashion. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of figured it kind of neat, do a little bit of dolling up and everything and, you know, get the... You know, get the vest on and the armbands and the whole works, and with the uh, with the look, you know, with the ponytail and the whole works, it actually kind of fit pretty well. Yeah, um, it was uh, something that I had thought about, and my wife had just done a great job of putting this thing together. It was all handmade. Oh wow, um, I didn't know that. And it was just a, just a phenomenal uh, phenomenal piece on on her work. Wow, nice. 
Excellent. Okay. Uh, talk about your passion for history and where that comes from. When, uh, when I was growing up, and I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to this at the time, but afterwards I, I started dabbling into it a little more, was the family history piece. Mm -hmm. And being essentially a first-generation American, um, everybody was talking about what was going on during the Civil War here, and the Spanish-American War, and the Revolutionary War, and the whole works. And I was, was kind of wondering as to, well, what about me? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what, what happened in my past? Uh -huh. um, my, uh, my grandfather was an uh, officer in the Tsarist Cavalry. Oh. And my mother was giving us all sorts of information at the time, little snippets here and there about the old country. Mm -hmm. um, cooking was great. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Oh yeah. And um, but it was it was it was interesting to understand how her family, you know, how my mother's family got here, and how my dad's family got here, which were two completely different directions mm -hmm. uh, that they had come. Um, and I, I started asking her a couple of times, saying, okay, well, how did you get from there to here? Mm -hmm. And as I was digging more and more into the information, it was kind of interesting that, okay, we're kind of on both sides of the, of the ocean, mm -hmm. um, our family, if you will, right now. Um, so what is it? You know, what is it over in Latvia that really is part of the family history? So I tried to put it all together for my, um, my daughters, mm -hmm. um, saying that, okay, you know, Joan, uh, my wife, is, is uh, daughters of the American Revolution. Mm -hmm. Okay, not a problem. You can trace that lineage all the way back to England. Mm -hmm. um, however, mine, everything was gone in the war, you know, in, in World War II. Right. Just, you know, decimated. So sure. the only thing you had left were stories. Ah. So I started digging into it a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and, and started understanding that, well, hey, this is kind of kind of interesting, the, mm -hmm. the history piece of it. You know, how Latvia got its independence, how Latvia lost its independence, how Latvia regained its independence, um, and the, the whole lineage piece of items. So what I did is I actually put together a, 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 a thousand-page book <laughs> of, you know, the, the family history, you know, from, you know, the World War I time frame all the way to, you know, by the time my parents got over here. Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of sliced it up a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more to the point where Tellman Assignments came out and it's actually a pretty decent uh, decent story um, with respect to my, my, my grandfather. Mm -hmm. um, so when I provided that to the kids, you know, they were kind of saying, well, you know, well, what about some of the American side of history? And at the time we moved down to Carolina to, mm -hmm. to pick up a job down at, uh, at a power plant down there. Mm -hmm. Um, good friend of mine that had befriended me, even though I'm a Yankee, um, <laughs> you know, said that you know, hey, you got to come down to Charleston this weekend. Uh -huh. Okay, what's down in Charleston? The Hunley was being raised. Ah. Um, and as they were pulling up the Hunley, he said, you know, hey, look at this thing, you know, a, a submarine. I said, dude, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> a Civil War submarine? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I understand ironclads, but. A Civil War submarine? <laughs> wow, that's really kind of interesting. Uh -huh. So I started digging into the history behind that, and uh -huh. I was like, wow, there's a, there's, a, there's a mystery behind the Hunley mm -hmm. as to why it sank you know, after it was successful in its, in its mission, um, why it never came back, and the, uh, 
the, all of the, the little stories that you end up getting down south from a number of different people as to what's going on with the, uh, you know, with the ship. Right. So uh, with being a chemist, you could kind of say I put a lot of stuff together, you know, trying to figure out from a forensic standpoint, if you will, all right, where does this metal come from? Mm -hmm. Where does that chemical come from? Mm -hmm. um, and trying to piece back the evidence. And as I was digging into that, it was like, wow, this is really kind of cool. You know, really digging into the history uh -huh. uh, of items. And I, I, I enjoyed being stuck in that time frame. You know, maybe it's just a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Some people like to regress. Uh -huh. um, sure. But and, and and then that kind of led to the uh, you know the USS Maine uh, piece what? and saying hey wait a second okay there's a slight mystery behind the USS Maine now granted um, uh, Hyman Rickover actually took care of that mystery if you will mm -hmm. uh, by doing a little bit of investigation on it but um, at the time you know there was clearly a mystery was it a Spanish mine eh, maybe or was it uh, sabotage you know, potentially. Uh, because there was a lot of skullduggery going on during that time frame. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, it evolved. You know, it worked itself into, wow, this is really kind of cool. The, the stuff that you can dig up with respect to history mm -hmm. is just fabulous and absolutely amazing. So it, I, I think it's become a passion trying to put together the evidence of what was actually going on during that time frame. Neat. And there are some really cool things that I found out <laughs> when I was digging into into uh, the story behind Havana Secret. It was just really kind of neat. Nice. You know, a nice little, nice little, nice little story. Nice. Cool. Okay. Uh, Hopefully, answer the question. No, no, absolutely. Okay. That's how. That's how. That's where your passion for history came from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your books are all historical fiction. Correct. How do you entice readers who might not be interested in historical fiction? Um, I, I, I approach it from the standpoint of, did you know? Ah. Um, and kind of ask a little bit about, well, if, if you're interested in mysteries, uh -huh. then there's a little bit of mystery here. Uh -huh. uh, is there uh, a little bit of uh, intrigue in your background or espionage in your background that you're interested in? Well, there's bits of that <laughs> along the way. Because if you think about it, you know, you're, you're talking just at the turn of the century. Uh -huh. it's, the, it's the beginning of a number of empires. And let's be honest, we did have a little bit of empire building back in the early 1900s. Yes, we did. Um, and in order to do that, you have to have a little bit of espionage, mm -hmm. a little bit of skullduggery, a little bit of, you know, I'm going to get you if you don't give me this information type of deal. So it was, it was kind of, uh, kind of that type of item, or those are the types of items that I actually start digging into mm -hmm. what the reader's interest is. Gotcha. Um, and. There, there's a bit of flash and bang in there, you, mm -hmm. you know, there always is in, in, you know, history and military and spy works and the whole works and, and maybe a little bit of romance here and there. A little bit of romance? Uh, yeah, yeah, just a little bit. No kidding. Just a little bit. Wow. <laughs> All right. Just a little bit. Now we somewhere. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's how you entice the reader is the romance. <laughs> Who doesn't like romance? Well, if you can't get them by the spy and you can't get them by the history, okay, here's a little bit of flash. Go for it. Nice, nice, excellent. Uh, you published a book in 2005 
and one in 2012, mm -hmm. and then one in 2017. Uh, why the long gaps between books? I like to eat, and ah, sure, I have to work. Sure. Okay. Yep. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, the the uh, you know, I, I spend a lot of time at work, mm -hmm. um, as you've probably noticed by the pictures on Facebook of the lonely little Saturn sitting out there in the parking lot. Um, <laughs> I have seen that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I do uh, I do spend a lot of time at work. It's it's uh, it's, it's a passion. You know, chemistry is a passion. Nuclear power is a passion for me. You know, it's it's. You know, I was on the cusp of how it really started getting into the commercial industry mm -hmm. of, of nuclear power, and it was cool. You know, learned a lot and and really uh, enjoyed being part of the plant. Um, so, needless to say, that takes a little bit of time away from um, actually doing the the, the writing. Sure. Um, but I do find uh, that when I can get the time to actually do a uh, um, binge writing <laughs> to try to work through, you know, work through pieces and parts of it. I've got one that I'm working on now mm -hmm. um, about the McKinley assassination, okay. and it's it's been a while to try to work through the pieces and parts of that. Um, sure. And then the other part of it is when you're doing the research, <laughs> going, off, going off on a rabbit hole because, wow, this is really kind of cool. You know? I didn't realize that Roosevelt was doing this. <laughs> I didn't realize that this was going on at the same time. So it, 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 uh, it, it's a focus piece as well as a, as a I like to eat piece. No, no I understood that. Yeah, I like to eat too. So, mm -hmm. yeah. the, the, one of the most recent blogs uh, described a return to Seneca Falls. Mm -hmm. uh, and referenced the old track where you used to run, oh, wow. the football field that seemed to hold the boyhood dream of playing professional ball, mm -hmm. and the fabulous band that you used to be part of. You were fun! I was fun? <laughs> <laughs> I was busy! <laughs> yeah, you were doing all kinds of great stuff. Yes, I was. Do you ever think about uh, writing about, about those, those days? Um, it's history, after all. Yeah, there's history. Um, <laughs> I do. I, I do think about it at times. Yeah. Um, and it, it, what I'm what I'm thinking is it's more along the lines of if I can put something together associated with that for the kids, you know, for the kids and the grandkids, and you know, all of the other ones that are coming out afterwards. Yeah, probably. Okay. Probably thinking about doing something on that line. Nice. I would like to read that. Oh, okay. <laughs> it sounds fun. Great. I've got one sold. <laughs> Before I even wrote it. I'll do the pre-order. Yes. Excellent. Um, so as you know, we have a gimmick on this show that we are contractually obligated to live up to. So Guntis Gonkarovs. Tell me about your damn book. Okay. Havana Secret. Okay. 18, 1897. Okay. The world is changing. <laughs> um, the, the, the bottom line here is, is that that's the time frame where a lot of the uh, the empires are starting to build. Kaiser Wilhelm is starting to feel his oats over in over in Germany. Yeah, um, he's got a a spy network that's already been put together, um, so that he can go and put his fingers all over the place to try to figure out, okay, well, what's going on in Haiti? Well, what's going on over here? And yeah, I think I want a little place in the sun for a little DACA so that it's nice and the, you know, all the um, palm trees and coconut juice and that type of thing. Um, Sounds um, all right. Likewise, um, McKinley has just been uh, uh, just been elected uh, in relatively landslide fashion, uh, if you will. 
Um, and, and his cabinet selection was really kind of interesting. Um, everyone were, were how do I put this diplomatically? Uh, relatively incompetent. Okay. Very uh, <laughs> true today. <laughs> with one exception, the Assistant Secretary of the Navy. Uh -huh. he, was, he was basically told, you will bring him into your cabinet. And needless to say, the person for that position was Teddy Roosevelt, huh. um, who had worked his way up the ladder into politics um, in, the, uh, in the New York uh, piece of things. So you, you, you've got that incipient empire building in the United States. You've got the empire building in Germany. Um, Sagasta is, is assassinated um, in, uh, I'm sorry, Cavanos was assassinated. Sagasta took, him, took over for him from, for, for Spain. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of unrest in Cuba um, at that time frame. Mm -hmm. um, so the scene is, is basically set for something happening in Cuba. Okay. Um, over the time frame, uh, what, what what ends up occurring is is that with the um, with the assassination of Cavanos and Sagasta taking over in the uh, in this in the Spanish realm, he started putting an iron hand down on Cuba, which actually started pushing the revolutionaries. Oh. Um, at the time, what we wanted to do was kind of push ourselves out just a little bit. McKinley being somewhat of a pacifist. Mm -hmm. um, we're trying to push, push out into the Caribbean, push out into the, the western part of the uh, of the Pacific, uh, to try to get our influence going. Um, and at the same time, you had individuals who were trying to get involved in the Cuba area. Well, you know, Cuba is the Western Hemisphere, and Roosevelt, of all people, said, "Dude, this is our territory. We don't want European countries over here." Mm -hmm. So. We started supporting the Cuban revolutionaries at the time. The one best way to actually um, support the revolutionaries is eh, stick a little spy network out of the consulate and do a couple of interesting little things like uh, take one of the revolutionaries' daughters who was imprisoned and kind of do a little bit of uh, cloak and dagger routine, ship her off to New York, mm -hmm. and then say, ha ha, we've got Evangelina Cisneros, uh -huh. you know, up in the United States. Yeah. Um, and, and that was kind of a slap in the face to McKinley. Um, it was a big coup for uh, Fitzhugh Lee, who was the head of the spy network out of the consulate. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting piece on Fitzhugh Lee is, is that he didn't actually spill his guts until like 1911, 1912 as to what he was actually doing down in that, uh, um, in that area. Oh. Um, and the, the, the consulate was, was housed with the New York press. So the yellow press was able to get a hold of all of this stuff, and they were pushing for war. And you've got uh, Roosevelt pushing for war, everybody wanting a little piece of Cuba. And it was kind of interesting. You had a bunch of revolutionaries floating around saying, hey, you know, we, wanna, we want an independent Cuba. Hmm. Um, Roosevelt actually had uh, uh, resigned his position so that he could become part of his, uh, um, his cavalry. Wow. That he had, had formed uh -huh. and brought down to Cuba <laughs> to, to, fight, uh, to fight the story. So it was kind of interesting to take a look at actually what was going on during this time frame. Mm -hmm. um, and, and interestingly enough, all during this piece, you have two ships that were the 
advanced cruisers, if you will, Texas and the Maine, mm -hmm. um, that were essentially the new mini dreadnoughts, if you will, for the uh, um, for the Great White Fleet or the beginning of the Great White Fleet. Mm -hmm. um, Fitzhugh Lee and um, Captain uh, Sigsby knew each other pretty well. So Sigsby being the captain of the Maine and uh, Fitzhugh Lee being the uh, uh, the head of the spy network, they had a little bit of communication going on to make sure that you know, hey, if anything happens down here, that we got to get some of our American people out of here. I'm going to send you a couple of signals. <laughs> Bring the main down. Uh -huh. Well, he did that. Main comes down, and there's only one spot for the main to actually fit, and that's, uh, I, I believe, it was number four, okay. um, where they they um, birthed the main. And sure enough, you know, right around uh, right around the time frame for uh, Mardi Gras, when the sailors were wanting to get back to New Orleans to have a little bit of fun. Sure, sure. Um, the main blows up, and there's a big question. Well, is it a Spanish mine? Uh -huh. Was it sabotage? Uh -huh. You had coal fires. Uh, you know, coal uh, was the was the big uh, fuel yeah. um, for these ships. Sure. And you had coal fires on several ships that had been investigated by, interestingly enough, the individual who had become the EXO on the main. Uh -huh. um, uh, Wainwright, uh, who who actually spent time trying to figure out why was I getting a hot signal on one of the bunkers. Um, because he had the, the different type of coal, the, the more volatile coal. I'll get into the chemistry end of things and drive everybody nuts at this point, but <laughs> I'll back off. Um, but to, to say the least, the, the, the bottom line on the coal was is that it was more volatile, a good possibility that it was going to, uh, going to burn, especially if you had, let's see, humidity, temperature, high temperatures, um, not too much ventilation. Mm -hmm. Sound like Havana Harbor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so that kind of pushed the limits of you know what was going on with respect to McKinley's um, uh, McKinley's cabinet, mm -hmm. as well as Roosevelt just rattling the cage, saying, "Dude, we got to go there. <laughs> you know, we got We got to fix this thing up." Right, right. So, and, and so what the book does is it kind of takes a look at it from the uh, perspective of one of Fitzhugh Lee's unnamed accomplices um, and kind of poking around the different areas and seeing what's going on with respect to Cuba, what's going on with respect to Germany, what's going on with respect to the, the, the American Empire, and I'll just use that word loosely, Why not? the American Empire at the time. Sure. Um, and, 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 and kind of poking around to try to see what's, what's actually happening. The, the, the backstory of this unnamed accomplice, if you will, uh, happens to be a, uh, um, a little piece left over from Convergence of Valor. Aha! Uh -huh. I, 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 I left a, uh, a hangar at the oh. backside of Convergence of Valor. Interesting. Who ends up turning into the main character that I've got in the next two or three books. Wow. Planned. Okay. Um, a through line. And, and, and an interesting piece on this is that the, the, the backstory for this individual is because most of the people that um, were associated with his father, maybe I'm giving away the story here, um, most of the people that are interested, that, are, um, that knew his father are gone. Oh, okay. With the exception of a couple here and there that I'm kind of smattering between a, a couple of these stories. Yeah. You know, one is Rudolf Mosier in this, uh, 
uh, in Havana Secret, mm-hmm. uh, who ends up getting killed off by a German spy. Ah. Um, and I've got one that I'm working on right now with uh, uh, someone who happened to be associated with the Hunley oh. uh, at the time that his father was alive. Okay. And their their paths are crossing okay. in, this, uh, in this new story that I'm working on. Nice. Excellent. So that's kind of the backstory of, of, of Havana Secret. Okay. And we'll dabble on either end of it uh-huh. as well. Yeah. Nice. We have a segment on the show called Questions from the Great Unwashed. Uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> um, Slick Rick 333 asks, which historical figure intrigues you the most? No question, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt? No question. Okay. All right. He is intriguing. Yes, There's he is. no question about that. Yep. Um, Carl from Massachusetts asks, do you listen to music when you write? And if so, what's your jam? This dude knows me. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> he you might. Know, do you might. know Carl from Massachusetts? <laughs> I might. I know a couple of Carls in a couple of spots. Um, I, I, I guess it depends on the scenes. It depends on the moods that I'm working on. Okay. Are, um, if, if I want to set a mood for uh, the, the crash and bang, let's go, it's um, two steps from hell. Hmm. Um, if I'm working on yeah, maybe a little bit of writing project on the side uh, that I've got, um, it may be a little bit of Yanni. Um, or it may be, um, I, I hope I don't you know, kill myself with this one, a little bit of Lindsey Sterling, um, which is kind of enjoyable listening to some of the you know, some of the uh, uh, pieces that she's got going through. Classical is always a good one. Uh-huh. Um, Mozart. And then you've got the cognitive and memory enhancer, biurnal beats type of deal, which mm-hmm. is uh, when when you've got a ton of things going on in the background, a um, ton of things going on in your mind. <laughs> Try to wade through all of that <laughs> and, you know, put on some of that. And, and it has worked. It actually has worked um, wow. a bit recently with with being able to focus on getting getting a little bit further along and uh, on the writing projects. Nice. Um, so it's uh, I, I I think you'd probably have to say it's goes anywhere from you know long hair to punk, <laughs> <laughs> depending on the mood and depending on what uh, you know, what mood I'm trying to create. Wow. For the book. Cool. Excellent. Okay. Um, Mustafa from Minnesota. Why not? Uh, asks, do you have any favorite Latvian dishes? Pirogs. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with pierogies. Yes. Here. Okay. Um, and pierogies are typically boiled um, pastries. Mm-hmm. In in Latvia, what what has happened because there's a, a there's a lot of um, you know, a lot of hogs, a lot of uh, uh, cows. Mm-hmm. Um, it's somewhat similar to Maine, possibly uh, Midwest, uh, Upper Midwest, where it's cold. Um, <laughs> the uh, the most of the baking is done uh, with uh, you know a heavy layer of butter, you know, real thick butter and everything. I like it. Um, and the pastry uh, has a little bit of flavor from the from the Middle East. Okay. Um, the the pierogies that my mother used to make were just. Oh, Phenomenal. The kids, the kids went nuts over um, when we went up to play hockey up in uh, up in Toronto. Uh-huh. Um, the uh, we'd stop off at my mother's house in order to pick up a whole bag full of these pierogies. <laughs> to go up there, they didn't play well afterwards, but boy, they were good. <laughs> 
um, and <laughs> stuffed with uh, basically pastries mixed in with uh, like cardamom, uh-huh. uh, maybe some cinnamon, some uh, ginger uh-huh. uh, added to it, and stuffings of like cabbage and egg, uh, maybe a little bit of beef, maybe a little bit of prunes for us old people. Sure, sure. Um, Nothing I'm putting in the same category as me, but <laughs> I'm <laughs> getting there. <laughs> um, and 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 that and there, there are all of these small little pastries, you know, handheld pastries that you put onto a sheet, put it into the oven, pull it out, and literally, it's just a bag full of the things. So it's the it's the Latvian version of the pierogi. Wow, if you will, uh, but baked, and just about everything is is, is baked. Yeah. Um, uh, likewise, my my grandmother on my dad's side uh, was always putting pierogies together essentially as or, or pierogs together essentially as a cake so all of this um, all of this dough and then you had this you know big old mix on the inside with ground beef and, and you know sauerkraut and all sorts of nice little European things wow there. plus the flavor the, 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 the cardamom was was one thing that I just uh, really uh, really enjoyed you wow know, that little that little flavor that's uh, that's there in the dough. Yeah, nice. I actually used that in making pancakes when I was I was making pancakes for the kids when they were doing their uh, uh, hockey routines you know, yeah. when they were growing up. So I'd mixed in a little bit of cardamom in there just to get that get that flavor. To <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, and Emily from Ontario asks, "Do you know any Latvian curse words, and would you share your favorite?" <laughs> These people did their homework. Yes, they did. <laughs> um, durax is a good one. What is it? Durax. Durax. Um, basically, calling somebody a dog. <laughs> a certain end of a dog. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> um, but that's about as far as I'm going to go. Okay. Fair enough. There are, yeah. there are, there are a few other ones. But <laughs> <laughs> this is a family show. Huh? Yeah, we should probably stop there. <laughs> yeah, we should. Before we go too far down that hole. <laughs> but it's interesting how the insults are a little bit different on the other side of the pond, you know, than, than they are over here. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the things that that Eastern Europeans find insulting is... You're kidding me. That's, that's an insult? Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So. Cool. And uh, this is the question that I use to wrap up all these interviews. Uh, it's a hundred years in the future. We're all dead and gone, hopefully. Uh, a young person goes into a library, approaches the librarian, and asks about you. What does the librarian say about you? The guy's still alive. He's down the street. <laughs> <laughs> he just won't go away. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Um, <laughs> let's see. So I, I, I guess what the librarian would probably say is, is that you're, you're, I guess you're interested in history. Mm-hmm. His, his material is not as dry as the nonfiction history. It's got a little bit of flavor to it. Gotcha. Um, and that little bit of flavor is coming from the character um, characters that are that are involved. Okay. And he's he's got a habit of throwing in 
uh, little things into there that you're probably going to have to dig into a lot of other biographies and history books in order to find. Okay. Um, because he's done his homework <laughs> on what's going on. So that would be the librarian that, that, that likes me. Okay, sure, <laughs> sure, right, right. Yes, no, I understand. But hopefully that is, that is the legacy that I, I, that I shall leave, is, is that you know, I've, I've done my homework. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoy digging into the details, especially those that a lot of people may not know, mm. you know such as Kaiser Wilhelm's three plans to invade the United States. Mm. Wow. Cool, huh? That's a good hook. There you go. Off. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> and I do talk about that in Havana Secret. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. It wraps it up in a tiny little bow, doesn't it? Cool. <laughs> all right, well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Tell Me About Your Damn Book. I would like to thank my guest, Guntas Goncarbs. It's good. Yeah, that, that's what fine. he said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the book is Havana's Secret. It's available on Amazon. That is correct. Excellent. So pick it up. Thank you again for joining us and cheers.